Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. Do not adjust your dials. We are here for a second episode this week. On the back of our Derek McInnes special, we had to come back and discuss the rest of all the happenings, or lack of them, in North football. There's Cali Thistle's latest setback, Ross County making strides towards survival, and the progress in getting the lower leagues restarted. Also doubling up with myself, Jamie Durant, this week is Callum Law. How are you, Callum? All right, and you two gentlemen. Well, you're giving away the fact there's someone else here, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. He did say doubling up. <laughs> uh, we're joined by the uh, inimitable voice of Mr. Paul Thirds. Are you? Uh, are you all right, Paul? I am. Have I missed much? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure you weren't asking that on Monday evening. Oh, indeed, I was not. No. <laughs> anyway, a break from the dawn will be nice. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we'll start today with. Cali Thistle, who head into Friday's game against Wraith Rovers on a worrying run of form. Their 1-0 defeat at Morton on Tuesday night leaves them second bottom of the championship. Um, and it's it, the defeat probably leaves them looking over their shoulders more than more than towards the playoffs just now. I guess, guys, is it just how concerning a time is it to be uh, to be a Cali Thistle supporter? I would be in the I'm slightly concerned camp if I was a Cali Thistle fan. They're not winning games. Um, and more importantly, it's the games in hand, which now seem to be slipping through their grasp. As you've said, they're second bottom of the division, ahead of an Alloa team that they failed to beat in the last two recent matches against each other. And they're now in the playoff spot with the uh, League One in mind. Um, our Broth, who are now above them, seem to be picking up form and are capable of picking up three points in games. That's where the slight concern comes if you're a Cali Thistle fan. I mean, that, that's the thing. The, perhaps one thing in Inverness's favour is that the table is very congested. I think they're only in seven points off fourth spot, which with the games remaining is can could be made up. But it's where the form comes from to actually get themselves up the table because it, there's not a great deal of signs, is there, at the minute to suggest that things... Will turn around quickly. I think, to me, looking at it, Inverness's issue, it's maybe simplistic to say it, but being ruthless in both boxes. Because if you look at the games they've lost this season, they've lost seven in seven games in all competitions this season. Six of them have been by a single goal. They haven't taken a doing off anyone. This they've been in every game they've played this season and had chances and either haven't taken them or haven't been solid enough defensively. So if you can just, you know, if they could just find that slight change at either end, then can the results in the, the last eight, nine games could be very different potentially, I think. But. Well, I mean, Neil McCann said after the game on Tuesday night that there was there was something missing in, the, in their performances just now. They weren't taking what they were doing on the training field into into games and he, he kind of mused on the fact that maybe the the change of, of management obviously kind of losing John Robertson and Scott Kellicker for an indeterminate period of time may have had a bigger effect on them than kind of maybe they maybe realized and I mean the players themselves have said like that there's no excuses for it they're not kind of making making that out to be a reason for this dip in form but could that kind of have a kind of a almost a, sub, a subliminal effect on the on their run of form possibly but when the when the manager who's now at the helm is saying something's missing, 
That's a bit worrying, uh, and I have to say, I know we're now talking about the North teams, but it does sound awfully familiar to another team on our patch. Um, you, you look at the form guide, just just briefly, Aberdeen are second bottom of the Premiership, just above Kilmarnock. Now we look at the Championship, and Carly Thistle are in a similar position, second bottom of their division. Listen, it can turn around quickly, given how tight this league is, as Callum's touched on, and there's literally four points separating fifth place Dundee and Cali Jags in ninth. But that seven points off the playoffs is a bigger worry because it's while it's not mission impossible, you're looking for Cali Thistle to have to climb above an awful lot of teams. And given how small the league is, they can't all be losing every week. Someone's going to be picking up points out of all those clubs above them. So for them to be, start moving up that league, they've got to turn this around quickly or it's going to be gone before they know it. You sort of touched, Jamie, on the, the upheaval that they've had off the pitch, obviously, which is unforeseen, really, the circumstances with John Robertson and Scott Kelleher, and we obviously wish them uh, well. But the other side of it as well, with Neil McCann coming in, if you look on the pitch, they've then had all these games in hand, games in hand to make, to play, to catch up, which probably, from Neil McCann's point of view, he said when he came in, you know, there was a good base to work with and he might try one or two things differently. From his perspective, probably playing Tuesday, Saturday or Tuesday, Friday, I think every week since he's been in the job, isn't particularly helpful either in terms of time and the training pitch and trying to implement what you want to do and then get the players to carry that into a game. And the flip side of that is as well, when you're trying to do that, well, lack of time, and then the re- results don't come as they haven't of late. You probably find that confidence among the squad sort of drains away as well. So it's, I think, in that regard, it's a bit of a sort of vicious cycle, really. But I mean, they say all that, but if they could go and beat Wraith on Friday, then you might see them snap snap out of it. We don't know. Well, I think um, Neil McKenna touched on that earlier this week about. That the kind of the cycle of games is is well. It's something you you might appreciate as a as a player because you'd obviously rather be playing than training. As a coach, there's less time there to correct any errors that you're seeing or work on anything different because any days off the players are getting or any time between games, there's a lot of recovery time to just to get players ready to go again. So if you're playing on a Saturday and then a Tuesday, you've got Sunday Monday between a game. You've got to recover them on the Sunday do brief work, which is probably mainly geared towards your specific opponent rather than any kind of like fundamental changes on the Monday. And then you're back into it Tuesday. And then you look at it again, it's got the same two days between this game and the next game. Um, there's limited time to kind of to correct these these errors just now. And maybe that is maybe that is a kind of a reason. There's not kind of the time to make any kind of significant changes to the way they're playing just now. The other thing which probably exacerbates that as well is Inverness don't exactly have the biggest of squads. Well, nobody's operating, maybe with the exception of Hearts and Dundee, nobody in that division's operating with a particularly big squad this season. But, you know, Inverness can... They've spoken before about the sort of financial challenges and having to run with a tight squad. And when you have the, the issues that you've touched on there, Jamie not having a huge amount of bodies and being able to rotate as much probably doesn't help in that regard either. But if you look at the bigger picture of Carly Thistle's season so far, 
what is it, they've conceded 23 goals, scored 25 so far in the league. That kind of shows you why they're, they're off the pace when it comes to the playoffs. But I'm now feeling a tad more nervous about them in terms of the bottom of the table, I have to say. And it's because of this other stat. Eight draws from 18 games so far. Two wins from nine at home so far this season. That is the form of a team that's going to be toiling near the bottom. Well, that's it. And I mean, Aloua have always tended to be their bogey side as well. I mean, obviously Aloua are the only team below them in the table at the minute. And if you look at the kind of runner games they've got coming up, they've got this doubleheader tonight on Friday night and Tuesday against Wraith Rovers home and away. And then they've got Dunfermline as well. Like there's three games against promotion chasing sides that they're not going to be expected to take points from, I wouldn't say. And then I think they've got Arbroath and Bucky Thistle as well before the end of the month. Um, and it's, there's a big run of games here for them. I think this is, there's like, there's nine league games to go before the end of the season. So you're kind of effectively into the last round of this, like thirds of the league. So it's like the, the time is now to try and to try and do something to save your season. Well, they talked about March being a pivotal month and here we are three games into it and it's one point. Is it one point out of nine so far? <laughs> it's it's worrying, it's worrying. And the, and the degree of difficulty of the matches that they've now got lying ahead of them are increasing. If you're Bucky Thistle, let's be honest, the way things are going, you're, you're thinking, we might have a chance of a, a cup shock here by the time the Scottish Cup tie comes around. Because that, that confidence is going to slowly ebb away within the Inverness ranks if they can't get up and running sharpish. The other thing as well, and I'm not sure how much this has been spoken about, but it's not, with the circumstances as well, it's obvious, can, to me, looking at it anyway, it's far from an easy task for Neil McCann in the sense that he's come in in exceptional circumstances to help the club out. Because of the nature of those circumstances, he doesn't know how long he might be there for. We've spoken about the fixture congestion, and as a result of that, he's had next to no time really to get used to working with the players or impart his message. So it's... Ken, that's maybe... Uh, overlooked as well and people might point fingers at him potentially about the form but it's not and been an easy situation I don't think for, for Neil McCann to have to deal with either at this stage. I'm with you on that one sorry I'm going to harp back again but you look at the contrast with Aberdeen Aberdeen have had a change of manager for different reasons, uh, Carly Thistles is only temporary we expect but at, at Aberdeen their guy who's coming in and working with the players is someone who the players all know in Paul Sheeran. This is not about transfer windows. This is about having someone who knows how the players work, know how the operation goes. Contrast that with Carly Thistle, through nobody's fault um, and with the very best of intentions. But Neil McCann's come in blind here. And as we're, as we're saying, all he's doing is going game to game, game to game, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. There's no time for anything. He's, he, he's only met half of these players in the last, what, couple of weeks? It's it's hard to get going quickly. I, I absolve him of any uh, blame for you to go as strong a, a term as that for for what's happening at the minute. He's just coming in to try and keep things going and and keep the the team ticking over for the next game. Across the bridge, things are obviously looking a little bit more rosier on the back of uh, well a huge result for them against Kilmarnock last weekend, um, coming from behind to win three two, and they've got Hibs 
coming up uh, coming up this weekend. I mean, have you been impressed with the way John Hughes has kind of almost kind of galvanised the place a little bit? Oh, I, I, I am. I mean, just, just look at the form guide. What are they? They're the sixth best performing team in the last eight matches in the Premiership. You know, they've scored eleven goals. Aki's have only scored eight. Kamarnik have five, and have picked up I think one point from that eight games. While County have got twelve, and Aki's have got eight. If you're looking at how things now stand down between the bottom three clubs in the division, Ross County are the form side. I think when you touch on John Hughes, the the one thing that Ross County were always going to get get regardless of results was a a passion and an enthusiasm and an intensity really to the way he goes about things. If people look back at his spell at Wraith Rovers, which I think there's no doubt in Diddy's reputation quite a bit of harm. There's obviously a number of factors there and it's probably clear that the players at Wraith at the time maybe didn't buy into his methods and the way he went about things. But it's, if you look at how things have picked up for Ross County, it's clear to me anyway that, and a lot to be fair, a bulk of the squad he has worked with before, which maybe helps, but the players there have bought into the way he wants to do things and that intensity and enthusiasm that he brings to the job. And I mean, last Saturday, that's, and especially at this stage of the season, that's your proper six-pointer territory and to um, find a way to win that game and give, I mean, they're not out the woods yet by any means, but to give themselves that wee bit of a buffer and have the game in hand this weekend over Kilmarnock, who are bottom, was, you know, a, a great result really for the, the Staggies. Let's be honest. When we see that they fall a goal behind, we're thinking on Saturday, oh no, this is a trouble line ahead for, for the Staggies here. But it, it speaks volumes of the confidence now within the squad that not only did they come back to win the game, but they did so quite convincingly. I mean, I know it's a 3-2 scoreline in the end, but County were well on top from, from what I hear. I think what they've got that a lot of the, that maybe a couple of the other clubs down there haven't got is they've got a natural goal scorer in Billy Mackay, who for whatever reason has been in and out of the team this season. I think it was only something like 10 starts he's made this year. And he's speaking to him after the game last weekend, he was kind of almost quite determined to prove a point and prove his worth. And in and around the six-yard box, 18-yard box, as he's shown over the years with Cali Thistle and then Ross County, there's, there's kind of... There's few better that you'd want in that situation. And I didn't realise until after the game and checking the statistics, he's actually the fourth highest scorer in Scottish Premiership history since it was formed in, in 2013. There's only um, Lee Griffiths, Adam Rooney and, and Odson Edward who've scored more goals than him since the since the Premiership was formed um, eight eight years ago. And considering he took a year out in the Championship there as well, it's 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 a positive thing for... For County to have someone like that that's hopefully kind of going to get a run and hit form at the right time. I've said it before this season and last season, and I'll say it again here. If you give Billy Mackay opportunities, he will score goals in the Premiership in Scotland. That's just a, a fact. As you, the statistics you've dredged up there, Jamie, prove the point exactly. And I mean, the three guys ahead of him on that list, Odson Edouard, Lee Griffiths and Adam Rooney, have been playing for sides competing at the top end of the table with the greatest of respect. I know Inverness were a top six side when he was there for some of the time, 
But a lot of the time when Billy McKay's been in this premiership, he's been playing in sides that have been fighting at the wrong end of the table, trying to avoid relegation, which probably makes our achievement more impressive, really, to be fourth on that list, if you depending on your viewpoint. I think the other thing which has helped him is recently at Ross County, we've seen he's been partnered with Jordan White up front, and I think that's kind of suited his game because Billy McKay's obviously not... the in terms of stature and physicality, not the most imposing player, but he's a goal scorer, whereas you have Jordan White who can sort of, you know, be used as a, a focal point and a, a batter and ram almost at times. And with Billy McKay off him, I think he's been able to reap the rewards of Jordan White's good work as well, with his back to goal and in the air and things like that. Mackay's a menace. He always has been. He's just that busy sort of player he gets about. And to be fair, they've got Ollie Shaw in the in the ranks as well. I mean, there's there's goals within that forward line, which is exactly what you're needing for a club trying to fight to stay in the division. That's where the big advantage lies for me. I know overall you look at Kilmarnock and Aki's and they've actually scored more goals than Ross County so far this season. But if you're looking at it now from where we're at and an on forum, County are a streaking ahead of them. It's, it does seem to me that, like, I know when, when John Hughes came in, a, a lot of people were pointing to the Wraith Rovers example and what happened when he went in there and how their form kind of tanked. And I think there were probably one or two people thinking the same might happen again. But to me, it appears that there's maybe a lesson been learned there that he hasn't he hasn't kind of gone in and made the same mistakes that he did at Wraith Rovers. And as Callum mentioned before, he does know quite a few of the players there. So he has that kind of added benefit already. But I think it was um, Billy Dodds that was saying on the radio after the game on Saturday, there's there's always an enthusiasm and an enjoyment around like teams involving John Hughes. And I think that's got to carry over to the players, like particularly given the predicament that they were in, that sorry, that they are in just now. I mean, that that's gotta be like an added, like a little added bonus for them that they're not gonna get mired down in kind of negativity when they've got someone like like John Hughes around the but place. They're playing like a team or a group of players who are enjoying their work. That, that's clear. That, that's what you're seeing with the, with the Staggies team just now. I, I, and yes, I mean, I, when he first came in, we spoke to several former Cali Thistle players who had all spoke glowing terms about John Hughes and the impact he'd had on their careers. And to a man, they were all saying, he's going to do a great job over it over the bridge at Dingwall. I'm sure it probably stuck in their craw to actually say that. But And the fact he has so many former Cali Thistle guys in there means he has loyal, trusted lieutenants already who are on side and on board and are going to do the talking up on his behalf, saying, listen, boys, listen to the gaffer. He's, he's great. He's really good. He's really good. And suddenly the whole atmosphere within a dressing room changes. It's just that positive reinforcement. I think you're uh, spot on there, guys. I was just going to say... For me, looking forward, I'm interested to see how Ross County get on this weekend against Hibs because if there's one criticism of them over recent months since John Hughes has been in the job and he's touched on it himself last week, is the lack of consistency in terms of being able to follow up victories the next week because we've seen it even, you know, when they've defeated Celtic, couldn't follow up. I think it was the same when they defeated Aberdeen and Dingwall as well. 
And I know Hibs are currently sitting third and they'll probably start as favourites, but they are coming into the game in the back of two defeats and not the greatest of runs of form. You've touched on Ross County's good form and being six in the table over the last uh, the last eight games. So that's, to me, looking at that's the sort of next step for Ross County is can they go and maintain maintain what they did against Kilmarnock and build on it because if they can go on a run the next four or five games and remain unbeaten with two or two or three wins in there and remain unbeaten in the next four or five games you probably imagine that would be good enough to keep them up well we'll see how the both clubs fortunes play out over the weekend and on the next part of the podcast we'll discuss what's happening in the lower leagues Welcome to part two of this special episode of Northern Goal. Um, we're now going to discuss what is happening or not happening with Leagues 1 and 2. I think the last time we checked in with uh, with our lower league clubs, um, a 22-game season had been proposed by those clubs to the SPFL, which would have included a split with a resumption date of March the 20th. That was approved by the SPFL, but the governing body had gone back to the clubs to ask them to come up with an idea of how a 22-game season would work as they had kind of reservations about the the limited amount of time they were given themselves uh, as yet. At the time of recording, we've not had uh, anything published yet. Callum, as our resident lower league expert, what's the, uh, what's the lay of the land as it stands? Well, experts, a bit of a, a strong term to use there you've you've built me up for me to let myself down spectacularly in the next uh, 30 seconds or so <laughs> but uh anyway is it from the people i've spoken to as it stands 22 games is still the option i believe that they want to pursue 27 games i think everyone's in agreement now is off the table 18 games is still there, but a lot. I think the feeling on 18 is it's kind of a last favourable outcome, if you will, in that it's better than the season being scrapped, but it's not what they want because it's, you know, a pretty short season. Whereas I think the feel 22 games is more palatable in terms of the length of a season and, you know, clubs being promoted and relegated on the basis of that. And I can understand that, to be fair, I can see the reasoning, but this current impasse that there is between the clubs and the SPFL is the problem, because aside from the timing issue, the other issue I think that the SPFL have raised about 22 games is, if you have a split where it's top five, bottom five, you're then going to come to a situation where... On the last day of the season, you have a team in each section not playing a game, which can cause a problem because if you have a team that, I mean, it depends on a whole manner of things, but you could have a team that could potentially be relegated if, or knocked out of promotion playoff spots or whatever, if two other teams are playing in a favourable, and a certain result would suit them, if you know what I mean. I know it's can a lot of ifs, buts and maybes, but it's these sort of, things in the work the phrase that we thought we'd heard the back of last year sporting integrity uh, gets <laughs> raked up again so i believe 
in the next day or so, we should hear uh, what the arrangement is. There's been discussions ongoing about how they can make it work. And the big thing, the big thing as well, is that the clubs know if they can't come to some agreement and can't start on the 20th of March, then it has to be 27 games and then the season would have to be scrapped, which is the outcome that nobody wa- wants ultimately because there's all sorts of ramifications if, if the season was scrapped. I know five, a 5-5 five, five split is far from ideal, but that's the only way to do it, surely. You can't go 6-4 because you, how can you play 22 games in a, a top six split after 18? I don't see another way around us. It's not very fair to the teams at the bottom either. If they're only going to have three games after the split. Well, that's the thing, Thirdy. It's like, if it's if there's going to be a split to get the games up, it has... Five and five, five and five is the the only other the only option. But I mean, how how it's going to be done or how it's going to be passed remains to be seen. I think as well, the, there's it's a, a week on Saturday. Leagues one and two are supposed to be getting underway again. To me, it sums up the whole shambles is a strong word, but the whole saga since no, it's not touch shambles. Well, it, well, you're right. Is it? <laughs> I was tr- I was trying to be diplomatic, but you're right, it is a shambles. Since they've been suspended in January, that they're now 10 days away from resuming. Nobody knows who they're going to be playing or what the fixtures are yet. It's dragged on and dragged on. And between the... I actually do fe- feel sorry for the clubs in a sense in this, in that as much as there's been criticism of it, and the proposals that the clubs put forward to try and get back to playing with tests and other things that we've touched on before, and I won't go over again. But the clubs have tried to be proactive and sort of help the authorities get them back as best they could. But between the SFA and the, the SPFL, it's just really been one farce after another when you when you look at the well, I mean, you could look at a longer period, but when you look from January, the I believe it was January the eleventh was the day they were stopped to where we are now. That's that's the sound of Callum well and truly taking his perch on the fence there. I just love the fact we went from I'm I'm not going to call it a shambles to it's a farce. That's what we need, Callum. <laughs> a fire in the belly is here. Come on. <laughs> what about the Scottish Cup as well? With that coming. Poor Highland League clubs going in completely cold, the way it's going to be looking. Well, I can tell you about the Scottish Cup as well, because it links to what I've just said about fixtures. Apparently, I was told yesterday, one of the reasons why we're still awaiting the fixtures is is because they don't know how things will pan out with the Scottish Cup and the number of teams that will be through. So, it's just, it's all... interlinked and nobody seems to be able to find a solution. I mean the Highland League clubs it's like you'd have to say they're at a disadvantage really Go, Ken, I know that a lot of them, Fraser Bros obviously through the third round but the other six clubs, it's the sec- second round on March the 23rd. I know the League 1 and 2 sides will only have had one competitive game on the Saturday before that, but you'd imagine that will still help. I believe the High, the 
Highland League clubs who are in the Scottish Cup and who will be testing could play closed doors games between each other, bounce games to try and get them ready. But I'd be be interested to know how many uh, do that. But it's it's one of them. They've all the Highland League clubs have decided they want to proceed in the Scottish Cup and. There's a burden and a commitment to that with the testing and the protocols. So fair play to them for taking it on. But as you, you say, 30, coming in basically completely cold after more than two months away from a competitive game, it is a, a big ask for them to to try and get you know results and get through. Yeah, well, I think there was kind of the view that I picked up from quite a few Highland League clubs was that this... That the whole Scottish Cup announcement had kind of caught them off guard a little bit, that it wasn't something that they were expecting. And then it's kind of been left to them to to solve what's what and how they, they get about playing again. And I think it was Alan Hale that I spoke to, the Huntley manager, who raised the point that you've obviously got all Highland League clubs and League One and League Two clubs that haven't played for two and a half months coming back in to play a competition. And it's going to damage the the spectacle of it as well, that you're going to have these players that are all kind of ring rusty coming back in to play a game, a game of football when they've had longer off than they would invariably have off for like pre-season and they're expected to come back and play football and pick up where they're left off pretty much with what, two weeks, some maybe less if they've not been able to get testing protocols in place in time because obviously they need to test and get negative results back before they can even return to training. So some may have, had issues with that there could be knock-on effects there there's going to be there's a lot of issues with what's what's gone on in it and I know it's far from ideal circumstances as they have been throughout but again there's you do feel that they could have been handled in a in a kind of a, a better way I mean forgive me for being cynic very cynical with what I'm about to <laughs> say next but the Highland League clubs really in my opinion when you look at what's going on have been the afterthought and to the authorities the problem almost in a sense with what's going on it's like if you look at what the timing even of the suspension of football below the championship was the Monday after the Scottish second round of the Scottish Cup was due to be played obviously the weather that weekend was dire which resulted in a lot of the ties being postponed but to me when you saw the ties it looked like a case of we'll play the Scottish Cup this weekend and hope and hope that uh, the teams out with the SPFL are knocked out of the competition and then when we suspend it on the Monday and then for bringing it back potentially it will be easier to finish, but obviously hasn't worked out like that for them. But the way sort of the the way that the Highland League clubs have been treated and and the lack of information really for a long time doesn't sit particularly well with me, if I'm being honest. You'll hear no argument from me on this one. I think the Highland League has been an afterthought. I agree completely with that statement, Callum. Uh, you just need to look at what's happened to Barora. I still think it's outrageous that we had league winners decided before any other divisions in the SPFL in in Brora and Kelty Hearts in the Lowland League for that matter. 
sitting idle, yet willing to play in the playoff. And the league decided, no, no, we'll sort out and save Brecon's skin, as it were. And dare I say it, as it will be again in this summer. Because if the Highland League doesn't finish and the Lowland League doesn't finish, as I suspect is going to be the case, we're going to have our same situation where the team at the bottom of League Two is going to survive. And for that to happen two years in a row, if it comes to pass, will be a disgrace. There you go. An absolute disgrace. And head should roll somewhere for allowing that scenario to unfold for a second year running. And the circumstances in the Highland League are obviously kind of like markedly different as well. Because, I mean, last year when you got to this point of the season, you'd at least played the majority of the season. So you could almost fairly say Brora Rangers were deserving champions and they were obviously nominated by Fraserburgh at the kind of the league meeting that they had to be the league's representative going forward. Whereas this season you've played two or three games. Some have played, like Strathbay have played none. You can't fairly say that there's one standout champion to go forward and represent the Highland League unless they come up with like some sort of like tournament or something like that to to determine a winner at the end that could you could say they've all had a fair chance but in the league format you're not going to get the you're not even going to get the half calendar played at this stage without knocking on into next season so it's the caught between a rock and a hard place at the minute i think the one thing which has been suggested to me by one or two people and whether it would have the support to enough clubs in the highland league or whether the SPFL would accept it potentially, which would be another issue. But if the 2021-2021 season, sorry, can't be completed and they can't and they don't go for a cup competition or something sort of one-off to decide to try and come up with a champion, people have been saying, and I think you said it in a column as well, potentially, Thirdy, that uh, yep, put yep. Brora forward again given they didn't get their chance last year, if there was going to be playoffs this time, put them forward again into the playoffs and it's so at least they get their crack at it. And to be fair, on a personal level, if they can't come up with something else, which at this stage looks unlikely, I would agree with that because it gives it gives Brora the chance that they missed out on. And technically, if, you, if this season isn't finished, they are still champions as well, so... It could be a solution, potentially. I, I think the Highland League, as a collective, would go for it. I think the member clubs would say, do you know what? Brora earned it. They earned it last year. Why, why are we going to deny it? It's not our fault that we're not managing to finish this season. We've been stopped from preventing a campaign that we all went to play in. Let Brora go forward. I can't speak for the Lowland League because we don't cover that, that, uh, that group, but I see no reason why they wouldn't be of the same view for Kelty Hearts. What's interesting to me is whether the SPFL would accept that. Because I think you may have a lot of uh, legal ramifications of saying, well, hold on a minute. These guys haven't played their, these clubs haven't played their campaign properly. You can't give us a, a league winner when there's only been three games. And in, in an instance, some clubs haven't played one. No, no, no. And then well, off to court we go. Well, that's, that's all for part two of the podcast. And the final part of it, we'll discuss uh, something that we, myself and Callum, have been working on for the, for the last couple of months. And the final part of today's pod, we're going to 
have a wee chat about something that myself and Callum have uh, been putting together over the last couple of months. We've obviously kind of touched on the Highland League a little bit there. And rather than kind of just kind of ringing people up and trying to find out what they're doing during the kind of the fallow period while the league was off, we kind of came up with the idea of doing an all-encompassing piece about 12 months in the in the Highland League. And you may have seen it plugged on social media this week. So um, can I get online and, and check it out? And kind of, I'm a bit biased here, but I'm, I'm quite pleased with how it's, uh, that's how, how it's all turned out. But uh, kind of throwing it over to you guys in terms of the Highland League, are there any kind of stories or tales that have that have stood out to you over the last 12 months, perhaps from a player or how a club's kind of found a unique way of dealing with these circumstances? Kamioki, come on. We've got to start with Kamioki and all the fundraising. <laughs> a bit broader for the... <laughs> During the COVID, uh, that was terrific. We'd see, we'd saw, some of the songs weren't terrific, mind you, but uh, <laughs> <they> certainly their, <laughs> their hearts were in the right place. Bless these guys, it was fantastic. Uh, that and the, the generosity of many players who had gone, do you know what, just be, don't, don't worry about paying us just now, let's just try and get through this and make sure we're, we're club survival. We'll, we'll sort it all out when we, we get back playing. It's, that just sums up the Highland League for me, that's, that's what it's like. There's a lot of camaraderie, not just within clubs, but within dressing rooms, within with, with players across the league. Couldn't agree with you more, Thirdy. I mean, uh, Craig Campbell's uh, fundraising initiative was uh, quite superb. You you were having a go at the singing. I thought I thought some of it was not bad. To be fair, I thought they they uh, uh, did a good job. Fra- Fraserbra must within that Fraserbra's uh, whole squad video that they put <laughs> the together was 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 quite superb. I thought the 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 thought and effort that went into that was uh, as as every. Well, as the thought and effort that went into the whole thing was uh, was quite brilliant and for a, a very good cause as well. You speak about, you know, players have obviously, and management and coaches have waived wages. And that, and that shows really that, Ken, as I think everyone knew anyway, that Ken, your guys that play in the Highland League... They play for the love of the game. It's not for ed- it's not for anything else. They play play for the enjoyment, and they were wanting their clubs to cu- survive, and they were wanting to have something to go back to. So that was the clear motivations behind it. The other thing that's stuck out to me over the last year for the league as a collective, really, is I think they can be proud of the way they've handled things in terms of how they concluded last season, it was really as straightforward as it could have been and re- they were ahead of the curve, really, in that sense. And since then, you've had to try and... They've had to try and react to basically constantly changing circumstances and rules. And, I mean, if you look at all the clubs, there's no, there's nobody at any club in the Highland League is employed full-time and to you know come up with this stuff or to run the club or anything like that all the protocols that have had to be put in place to allow them to even start this season it's been volunteers putting in their time for nothing again just to try and bring football back so i think the can the the effort and commitment that's been shown really has has to be commended in in my opinion and there's there was one well there's kind of one club that I'd done a little bit with uh, early on in the in the pandemic and it was a club that I'd kind of worked with quite a lot before in my previous job was 
with Nairn County at the start, they put in place like a community kind of outreach program where they would offer up kind of their services to members of the community that were maybe vulnerable or shielding to go out and do um, everyday tasks like walking the dog or going shopping or whatever and collecting prescriptions, which obviously would be even more kind of vital at that, at that time that I think we've seen, we'd seen quite a few clubs and organizations engage in that sort of kind of community program, which is obviously hugely commendable. And then later on in the year, they'd also, I also remember kind of doing a story about them displaying the name of a local uh, mental health charity, Mikey's line on the front of their shirts after there was a, a kind of a number of kind of tragic, tragic losses of life in, in the Nairn area of kind of young people. And they'd kind of taken the step to say, no, we, we need to do something about this. And they've actively kind of promoted it like on their shirts and, and at the ground as well, which again, I think it's, it's an example of the kind of the community centered nature of the, of the Highland league, which I think is, it's probably the, that's probably the best way you describe, you describe the Highland league to outsiders who maybe didn't know about it is that, Yes, there is that kind of grassroots football element to it, but there is also an extension of of community there that you look at a lot of these clubs, they are kind of like hubs in these smaller towns across the north of Scotland that provides a place to to go on a Saturday or a Wednesday night for, for folk who maybe don't have a lot else going on or it's an opportunity to, or it had been an opportunity to to meet friends and it's, I think it's a, it's a good thing that a lot of these clubs have kind of have given back to to the local community that has supported them so well over the years. I think the biggest shock story for me, if I'm looking back at the last 12 months, was Forest Mechanics' decision not to take part this season. Because um, when that was first floated, that idea, I think privately we all thought, well, I can think of one or two clubs who might decide not to to take part um, hand on heart. The one the one I thought might have been Fort William, given so many of their guys had come from Carly Thistle the previous season, we'd had a lockdown, we didn't know what issues they could have in terms of player availability. availability. But to be fair to them, they managed to get a, a squad together and that's terrific. But then for Forrest to go, do you know what? We're not so sure how this is looking for the next months ahead and uh, we'll maybe just set it out and, and try again. In hindsight, they've they've played a blinder, I think. We're v- very astute. Um, whoever had sat back and really thought, well, what's our chances here? We think it's slim. Let's maybe just hold off. I don't think, I, I don't think any other clubs will be looking at them thinking, well, they got it wrong at this point. Yeah, the other positive story, a, a better uh, men- mention or a former colleague of ours will be a uh, chastising us uh, when things did return in last season's Highland League Cup was completed Rothis winning the trophy for the first time I mean you know I spoke actually spoke to the Rothis Germany and Paul about it fairly recently for the, the project and that and he said the way he described it really because of the circumstances and in an empty ground and everything that was going on is surreal. But I think nonetheless, that didn't, the nature or the circumstances in the wider world when they achieved that didn't take away from the sense of achievement because this is a club that in 2015 was about half an hour from going out of existence to then rebuild it and win 
the Highland League Cup for the first time in their history. Can over the if you look, you're looking at the last year for positive stories, that's definitely got to be one of them for for me. Really, the not well, Howrothers have rebuilt more generally, but that success specifically. Forget Liverpool and Rangers winning the title, boys. They'll be partying in the streets of Rothes when this cup competition is finally <laughs> get a chance to be celebrated properly. I believe uh, I believe Callum flanked an excitable said former colleague for that for that final. <laughs> Hi, Dave. <laughs> uh, oh, nobody would have been prouder. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, you can pick up the piece on the. PNGA website. It's called A Year Like No Other, and uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll agree that there's uh, it's, there's a lot of tales in there that are kind of worth telling, and hopefully it won't be too long before we can before we can see some Highland League football once again. And that'll conclude today's special episode of Northern Goal. Thank you to Callum and Paul for joining us. You're welcome. No bother. As always, if you've got any questions for us or you'd like to get in touch, drop us an email at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, stay safe and we'll hopefully see you soon. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.